Okay. We are we are live. Alexander, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, very pleased to be back on a live stream and um, interacting with the Duran and this very, very consequential week, the week when Asia intervened in the affairs of Europe. <laughs> when did that last happen? I was trying to work it out. I think we have to go back to the fourth century BC when um, the Persian king was mediating between the Athenians and the Spartans. Right. Right. Okay, well, let's uh, let's go for about an hour, Alexander. Mm -hmm. It's been quite a, a busy yeah. week. Um, mm -hmm. I'm pretty beat, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's let's do let's do a live for about an hour. Answer some questions. Mm -hmm. Talk about uh, what's going on in the world today hello to everyone that is watching us on rockfin odyssey rumble youtube telegram and vidara.locals.com how is everyone doing in the locals chat good to see everyone in the locals chat and uh hello to our moderators alexander who do we have with us today i know i saw spartan Warrior Queen with us. Hello, Spartan Warrior Queen. Zariel. Hello, Zariel. How are you? And I think I think that's everybody that is moderating this Friday. I'm sure we'll have some more moderators jumping in as the stream goes along. So Alexander, real quick, what was the big news story of the week? Well, that, the, the one I've just touched on. I mean, you know, we've had situations. I mean, the Mongols invaded Hungary. They, got, they reached Hungary in, I think it was the 13th century. The Ottomans invaded parts of, you know, southern Europe. But a situation where China is now offering diplomatic solutions for conflicts in Europe, that is extraordinary. And... This comes shortly after Xi Jinping's visit to Moscow. We've had the visit of the Chinese defense minister to Moscow, Li Shangfu, where he met Putin. We've had comments from Putin today about Russia and China working together on technologies. So where the Russians are advanced in a particular technology, they will help the Chinese and vice versa. And we've now had a further announcement that Shoigu the Russian defense minister is heading to Beijing. So massive interaction between the Chinese and the Russians. And this happening at the same time as the Chinese are coming forward. They're going to send a diplomat to explore mediation options between not just Ukraine and Russia, which would be concerning enough for some people, but he's also going to be visiting all the parties. In other words, he's going to be going to Europe. He's going to be talking to the Germans, to the French, to the European connection, Ursula von der Leyen and Josep Borrell, poor man. <laughs> but anyway, he's going to be going all there. And the Chinese are going to be involving themselves. Like, as I said, no Asian power that I can think of has done for thousands of years in the diplomacy of Europe. And that is quite remarkable. That is an extraordinary development. 
that is a development of massive global significance. And, uh, well, we'll see where it goes. My own personal view is that it's, the Chinese have no real expectations that this is going to lead to any kind of solution anytime soon. I'm sure that the Chinese and the Russians are coordinating together every single step, but it's got the Americans spooked. And even though the Americans formally, officially, are saying that they welcome the fact that Xi Jinping is talking to Zelensky. Well, after all, they right. asked him to do so. They couldn't very well be angry that he didn't. You only have to look at the comments of US spokesmen, US commentators, people like John Kirby, to see that they're not really pleased about it at all. Yeah. From uh, Agul, how, how does the MIC influence decisions in media and big tech? There must be away money flows from government to these agents. How does it happen? It's not difficult to understand. I mean, there are all these lobby groups lobbying in the United States. As we know, political lobbies are very easy to organize in the United States. The lobbying is funded from the MIC. The MIC also funds many of the think tanks, lots and lots of the think tanks. And of course, they not only provide much of the technology that goes into the tech companies. Remember, the internet started as a Pentagon project way back in the 60s. It wasn't called the internet then. But they also are, of course, um, customers for a lot of the technology. So it's very easy to see how they're involved in all of these things. And it would be very surprising if they were not, given what a gigantic operation the USMI. MIC is. And by the way, Mark Milley has now come out and said, you know, if Ukraine loses the war, the US will have to double defense spending. Now, uh, a, a former US diplomat, uh, Chas Freeman, retired diplomat, lovely man, who we interviewed a short time ago on the Duran, Glenn Deason and I, uh, uh, he, he was a former assistant secretary for defense. He says that the real U.S. military budget is around $2 trillion. $2 trillion. <laughs> Double that, <laughs> you get $4 trillion. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Jeez. well, you can, you, can, you can work out the numbers yourself. Jeez, that's crazy. Mm. That is crazy. Let's see. Dan Walda, thank, thank you very, very much for that awesome super chat. What were you going to say, Alexander? No, I mean, you know, of course, what he was talking about, lots of things happen off books, and that was what he meant. Oh, of course. That was what Jasper Freeman meant, yeah. Of course, it's a huge industry. Yeah. Uh, Sancho Orelaxo says, the MIC are making the whole world's most fertile land forever toxic. All the munitions residue is bad enough, but the Brits want to make sure they are cursed by yet another generation of radioactivity victims. I am absolutely disgusted with my country, Britain, for the fact that it has done this thing. I, I, I cannot express too strongly how shocked and angry I am about it and how depressed I am that this thing is being done with barely a word of protest from people in Britain. I, I, I just, you know, I, I, there are times increasingly when I just don't recognize this country anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Kevin Reed Jones, thank you for that super sticker. Amir Ashrafinya, thank you for that super sticker. Nitswitch says, Hail to the new jungle. I hate the old gardens. The look the look like brain dead deserts to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you've all been following Lavrov because, of course, he was he took apart Pharrell uh, and his garden and jungle metaphor, the European Union being the garden, of course, and uh, the um, uh, jungle being everywhere else apart from Europe, except presumably the United States. So, you know, Lavrov really uh, made use of that. And of course, the global South was furious about it. Yeah, well, it was a stupid comment. Burrell, but well, he's a, I think, he's I think a we've got it used to. <laughs> yeah, he's a stupid man. Let me say that straightforwardly. Yeah. Oh boy, chief diplomat, chief diplomat chief, of well, Europe. Well, That's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy that well, they that, chose to absolutely. be the chief diplomat. Well, absolutely. I mean, that that makes him ideal for the job, of course. <laughs> Alvin, thank you for that uh, super chat. Uh, Maria, thank you very much for that super sticker. Let's see here. Radio Constantinopolis, Galispera Patriotes is looking ambivalent part of another West's midterm stratagem for spreading confusion, or do I need to get out more? <laughs> I, I think we're ambivalent anywhere near enough. I mean, look, the whole thing with Taiwan, for example, was it was all going to be based on strategic ambiguity. This is what was agreed in the 70s. So, yes, you know, we're not going to really support Taiwan. We just recognize it as this entity that's there. We're not going to define what it is exactly. And now we have the Blinkens, the Newlands, the <laughs> Sullivans, all that crowd, and they want to start moving towards particular definitions. And that's not what diplomat diplomacy is supposed to be. Ambiguity, ambivalence can be useful in avoiding conflict. If you've been a lawyer and you've been in litigation situations or want to avoid litigation situations, you know what I mean. Trying to make everything black and white can be disastrous. And Alex comes from a diplomatic family. His father was a very senior diplomat. I'm sure they talk about these things a lot. And he'll, uh, you know, knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, before I forget, Alexander, uh, some of our viewers wanted me to mention that April 25th was a very important day for Portugal. Oh, right. In the Port yes, oh, it was uh, the, the, the day that I believe that uh, Portugal uh, had the... The, car the carnation, the carnation, the carnation revolution, revolution. absolutely. Carnation revolution. That is, yeah. that is so absolutely. Congratulations to, to everyone. Congratulations in to the Portuguese, the Portuguese people. Yeah, with Caetano, the fall of Caetano. Yeah. I remember it very well, actually. Even though what I was what, well, very young at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to to mention that. Yeah. yeah. Let's see from. Uh, la 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 sixty nine. Check the ruble is making a move. Whoa. Where, where is the ruble? Well, I'm not absolutely sure. Yeah. But I didn't, I, I didn't check. I didn't today. check myself. I didn't check today. I mean, as I've said the many USD. times. Yeah. 81. Well, it's exactly, it's been, it's been much, yeah. it's been, it's been, it's been much the same now for quite a long time. So, I mean, I, I think that it's stabilized at that level of 81. And by the way, um, Nabulin at the central bank chair says that this is where she wants it. Yeah. Raphael, good to see you here. NATO is talking about bringing all their ships to fight China. Is that going to be the third crusade? Is the Pope going to take the lead again? So sad. 
Well, it is incredibly sad and it is incredibly stupid. And of course, uh, and this is I'm coming back to Lavrov, by the way, because he made this point um, in his UN speech that the Security Council, he said, look, one day we have Macron coming along and saying, uh, you know, we need to get achieve strategic autonomy and work with China. And then the next day, Borrell comes along and says that the EU needs to send its fleets to patrol the South China Seas. I mean, crazy stuff, ludicrous stuff. And of course, that's the EU, but the NATO, but the NATO, let's be clear about this. We don't have significant fleets. Only one NATO country has a powerful fleet, and that's the United States. It is the most powerful fleet in the world by far for the moment. Chinese fleet might one day catch up with it. But for the moment, the US Navy is far and away the most powerful. Any fleet that NATO, apart from the United States, sends to the Pacific is symbolic only. It's not going to change the military balance. So why are we doing it? Is it because we want to join in some kind of third crusade? That would be a lunatic idea. And how did the third crusade end? It ended in defeat. So let's not go there. Let's not seek conflicts. And let's not involve ourselves in these quarrels when the outcome can only be bad for us. When I say us, I mean us in Europe. Kevin, 68568. Welcome to the Duran community, Kevin. Good to have you here. Starla Rose, welcome to the Duran community. Good to have you here. Nick. Coriel, hello, my dear friends. Please consider having Levan Gudadze opinion on one of your live streams. He, he's a Russian with a small following on YouTube who gives very valuable updates and thoughts on his channel each day on the news. Uh, Nick, we are on it. Indeed. Probably and can I just say next week or the week after we will work to get uh, Levan on the show. Oh, well, there we um, go. Because I, I think I think I'm right in saying that he regularly comments on our yes, videos. Yes, yes, he's so very I good. I think, you know, he's very good. He's, yeah. he's very good. He has an excellent channel. And uh, mm -hmm. we will we will get something going. This week was just a, a crazy busy week. And That's to be true. honest, we just didn't have time to no. to coordinate with with someone to, to get them on the, the stream. Yeah. So yeah. it's just us two today <laughs> um, let's see here one sec alexander hmm kafad says sapmi is equal to china i'm so, not sure i understand that i, I don't understand that no i don't either but anyway i don't get that one but all right valies the great valies can't stay today but wanted to say how much i love the duran great job thank you valies mm -hmm. so much it's great to have you here mm -hmm. with us. From Nevets, curious about Alexander's take on Justin Trudeau's tyranny in Canada. Yeah, yeah it, uh, I think they I, passed I cannot... the C. The, the what's the bill C eleven yeah. with like this whole yeah. censorship and, and all of yes. that. There's, he's really losing his mind. He's losing his mind. I, I I've said many times. I cannot. I find it very difficult to talk about Trudeau. And the reason I find it difficult to do so is because I dislike and abhor the man so much and what he's doing to Canada, which is a country I have always felt great warmth towards, that I, I feel that you know my emotions are going to run away with me. 
uh, in ways that you know I don't always want. But I mean, I think he has been a disastrous prime minister in Canada, and I think that at a time when liberties are being attacked right across the West, he is right there at the vanguard of it. And I almost now sense that Canada is being used as a testing ground for things that are going to be happening in all sorts of other places. If you can do it in Canada, then you can do it in the United States and you can do it in Europe. And that seems to be his job. And he comes to all of this with a kind of virtuosity, not virtue, virtuosity, which I must admit uh, makes me want to reach for my vomit bag. Sorry. Mm. Uh, Satmi is equal to, to Sami people, Lapland. Oh, I see. China. Oh. I didn't. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure. Still, uh, not, yeah. Yeah, I didn't quite understand uh, that. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Lada Moreau says Hi, the Duran team. What do you think about recent news from Poland on ceasing RU embassies' bank on seizing RU embassies' bank accounts and going after Russian speaking schools? diplomats children well i think it's it's a terrible thing to do and i think by the way it almost certainly violates the vienna convention if not in in form probably in spirit but probably in form too so i think it is a terrible thing and i would not be surprised and it would be a terrible thing too if what we saw eventually was a complete break in diplomatic relations between poland and russia and that would be an extremely dangerous thing at a time when there's more and more talk of Poland intervening in Ukraine and potentially finding itself in conflict with Russia, in which case it would absolutely need some kind of means to talk to the Russians, which it would lose if diplomatic relations collapsed. Yeah. 267 Bismarck. Thank you for that super sticker. Marcelo says the UK looks pretty much the same for me as a Brazilian. Much the same as what? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, 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 I'll tell you this. It is very, very different from the UK I came to as a child in the 60s and which I remember before. I mean, it's a profoundly different country. It astonishes me how much it has changed in my lifetime. And not for the good, by the way. Kafan says China is equal to Satmi. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right. Interesting. Thank you for that, Kafan. And then Kafan also said uh, a post which just says Satmi. Satmi. Well, I've heard that they're excellent <laughs> people, by the way. And can I just say... Just, just talking about this, there's a, there's a really beautiful film called Cuckoo or something like this, which is a Russian-Finnish co-production set in Lapland during the Second World War. It was a beautiful film. People can tra drag it down. And with people, the people of that area playing, uh, the indigenous people playing an excellent and outstanding role. It's one of the most moving films I've seen, one of the most moving war films. Okay, uh, Margarita says, yes, the Dia de Libertad, our day of freedom. Right, you, there Margarita, we go. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. Dan Good, 333, says, does the EU, NATO, Collective West have some secret weapons, such as nukes, that make them so confident about the counteroffensive? 
you know something? I mean, I know lots and lots of people, especially in Russia, of course, um, say, you know, don't listen to all the stories about, you know, Ukraine being short of ammunition, the West being short of ammunition. The Ukrainians are going to get everything they need, everything they want. But these stories are being intended to make us complacent. I don't believe this. I generally feel that what we're hearing is what is, is the reality, that we really don't have these great secret weapons and, you know, miracle things that are going to change things. I don't think they are confident about the offensive. All the indications are that they're having real worries about this. But the point is, it's the last throw because everything else up to now has failed. The original plan, I repeat, was to cause Russia to collapse under the weight of the sanctions and to their horror that hasn't happened. They didn't think that the Russians would be able to sustain the war um, as long as they did. They never crossed their minds that the Russians would be out, able to outproduce them in military production. And now they're left with this one last desperate throw and they're hoping, keeping their fingers crossed, that something will happen and that it will turn it round. That's my view. I I think that it's it's a political decision and, and yeah. we all need to, myself included, I always have to separate the military, yeah. strategic yeah. decisions that, that should be made and are probably yeah. the correct decisions to be made from the political decisions. I think this is yeah. a political decision, which is you are going to do a counteroffensive period because period. as politicians, we need it. Exactly. Fails, By succeeds, the way. ends in a stalemate. For them, it's it, it's yeah. that's not the point. Yeah. They have to yes. have the offensive. By the way, uh, Pushilin, who is the head of the Donetsk Republic, has said exactly the same as Alex has, that if this is a political decision, that Ukraine has been pushed into launching this offensive to satisfy the exactly. political needs it's, of some people in the West. It's like It's like lockdowns. Everyone knows it's going to destroy the economy. Everyone, everyone knows it, right? A five-year-old knows that if you if you lock down the the country, you're going to destroy the economy. But the politicians, they need to do it. They have to do it yeah. for various political reasons. And I bet you, Alexander, a lot of the the reasons that they have for going ahead with the with the offensive, we probably don't even know what the politics no. are behind it. No, no, no. That's entirely true because one of the things we don't know um, is about the kind of political conflicts that are taking place behind the scenes in Washington and Brussels. And those conflicts are certainly taking place. We see lots of evidence of it, of them, but we don't know exactly how they're playing out. Yeah. Uh, Bauke says, and yesterday was important for the Netherlands, King's Day. Just kidding. Oh, well. I'm a staunch Republican. No monarchy can be an adult democracy. Well, there you Thank go. for that, Bauke. Uh, Radio Constantinopolis says... Many, a mainstream pundit here in Greece, talk about the end of the West as we used to know it and the need for Greece to diversify its geopolitical portfolio. Discuss. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not up to date on what is being discussed in Greece. I'm glad that people are talking about that in Greece. I don't see any sign whatsoever that our political class in Greece is thinking in that way. I mean, can I just say, you know, my aunt was a member of the political class. I mean, I know the people we're talking about, not all of them, obviously, or even 
but I remember who the kind of people they were. Their son was in the West. <laughs> Russia, China, all of that, it just didn't exist for them at all. And I don't think it's changed. Yeah, it still doesn't exist. I agree with you there. I think the, the elections are set for, I believe, May. Gosh, I forgot the date. Maybe, I think, middle of May. I don't know. Radio yeah, Constantinopolis. Let, yeah. let me know in the chat if you know when the elections are for Greece. But I think they have put a date. Oh, right. Okay. If, I, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. okay. Um, let's see. Spock23. Thank you for that awesome super chat. Uh, Def. Jeffick says, can you comment on U.S. interference in the Thai election using NGOs? You know, Brian Belletic has done a whole program about this. And I mean, he's there on the scene. He knows about it a lot more. All I can say about this is, yes, Thailand is a big country. It's an important country. It's a rich country. It's got strategic significance. It still seems incredible to me that the United States at this time would be wanting to open yet another front in Thailand. And I can't imagine that that's going to make people in Thailand at all happy. I think this is going to fail. And I think it's going to fail badly. It'll be another debacle. That's my own view. Yeah. 21st of May. Thank you, everybody. 21st of May, Greek elections. Yeah. And nothing will, will change. Change. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Elena says, what does it take to move the UN? How the USA is behaving, it isn't sustainable. I am all in favor of moving the United Nations, to be quite honest. So am and, I. Uh, one of our viewers uh, actually yeah. suggested a while back, suggested that the UN go to Dubai. Yeah, why not? Why not? No, I, I, I mean, the US has been systematically abusing its position as the host country of the UN. I mean, they refused, they, they, they harassed Lavrov over visas. They blocked his entire press corps. But of course, I, I, I remember when they did this the first time, which was in 2011, and that was during the Libyan crisis, when they, they pressured the Libyan ambassador to the UN to defect. He didn't want to defect, but they, you know, he was pushed into defecting. And then Gaddafi, and he was still the internationally recognized leader of Libya decided to appoint a diplomat, an ambassador to take his place. The US denied this man a visa. The no-fly zone made it impossible for him to travel to the UN. And the US made sure that the previous ambassador, the one who defected and who was no longer recognizing the government of Libya, continued to participate in UN discussions as if he was Libya's representative. I remember being deeply shocked by this. And that, by the way, happened under Barack Obama, just to, just to remind people. So that tells you how the US treats the UN, how much disregard it has for the way in which um, diplomats conduct themselves in the UN. And I don't think a country that does that kind of thing should be hosting an organization like the UN. And by the way, for the record, I know many, many Americans who also feel for completely different reasons that they would rather that the UN was not based in the US too. Yeah. Radio Constantinopolis general election for Greece is set for the 21st of May. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Matlas X says, Alexander, if 
You toured America in 2023, similar to Alexis de Tocqueville. What kind of report about the country would you have? Maybe you need to come put boots on the ground and write your book, Alexander mm. Tours America. Well, that would be very interesting, mm. and I would love to do it. I should say that I haven't been to the U.S. for a long time, and I'd love to go. I was due to go there in 2020, by the way. I'd actually, we were planning to do that, my wife and I. We were going to visit um, all sorts of places in the uh, southwest. But, of course, well, we all know what happened in 2020, 2021. The coup came and it became impossible. And it was very, very disappointing to us. I would love to go to the U.S. again. Yeah. Maria S. says, Super Chat just allows to pay 17 KR, 50 letters. KR, Maria, what is a, what is a KR? Yeah. Sure. Sonia, thank you for that uh, super sticker. Robin, thank you for that super chat. Elena asks, Kazakhstan and the UK are up to some shenanigans. Know something? No, I don't, and I wouldn't. The be the, the U.S. is pressuring Kazakhstan, Alex. I don't know if you read that. Story oh, I know, I know, I know. I, I, I think no, they no, sent yeah, the representative to Kazakhstan. Yeah, I forgot yeah. her name. Yes, to, yes. to pressure they're them. They're 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 trying to do that all the time. I I think that the, the Kazakhs will play the game that they always play. They'll appear to agree, and then they'll simply continue their relationship with the Russians, because the reality is Kazakhstan simply cannot afford to go against either the Russians or the Chinese. It's, it's, those are the two countries that are the guarantors. This is their neighborhood where Kazakhstan is, is located. So I, I don't think this game will succeed. Yeah. Peter Sugleris says, any tips for someone as a dual citizen considering relocating from Australia to Greece within, say, 18 months, geopolitics withstanding? I mean, thoughts. Thanks as always, TMAX. Peter, uh, what can I say? I mean, I, I haven't been to Australia. I'm not sure why you would want to come to Greece. It's a beautiful country, amazing cuisine. Um, your name suggests that you might be of Greek origins. If so, you would be returning to your homeland. Um, lots of places to go to, lots of places to see. Uh, don't expect it to be anything like Australia, though. Yeah. My best advice for anyone that would like to relocate to Greece would be it's a great place to live if you're not in the Greek system. Yeah. And by system, I mean you're working in Greece or you're, you're just part of the, the just the general everyday system. Then Greece is yeah. just a lot of bureaucracy. And I mean, it's, it's a yeah. grind. It is an absolute it's grind. A grind. But if you, can, if you can be in Greece and live in Greece but not be part of the, the the like actual everyday system it's yes it's nice yes oh if, if you want uh, i mean it's a great place to retire to for example <laughs> if that's what you want to do but but um i certainly i wouldn't want to try and operate you know uh, an internet-based business there or things like that it would be very very challenging to do that no very challenging uh, Alex K says, can you guys brief us on what is going on in the Caucasus region regarding Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Iran? A lot of stuff. This is a very, I mean, this is a huge question. Um, the Armenians that are, are trying to play the West off against the Russians. Pashinyan, who's the prime minister of Armenia, 
uh, ha, you know, recently received the U.S. Uh, a U.S. official. I think it was Blinken. He talked about um, Azerbaijan recognizing Armenia's territorial integrity, but he seemed to be speaking as if he meant that without Nagorno-Karabakh, which I think some Armenians would be unhappy about. Um, there is tension, continued tension, between Armenia and Azerbaijan over Nagorno-Karabakh. The Azerbaijanians feel that they have an advantage, and I think from the reality is that with the Russians so committed to Ukraine now, to some extent they've taken the eye off the the eye off the ball. Now Pushinian and Putin do speak regularly. They had another telephone call just recently. Um, uh, Aliyev and Putin also speak regularly. I still feel ultimately that the solution to this problem rests with Russia. Now Georgia is allied to the West. There's a political conflict in Georgia. The current Georgian government wants to keep economic and commercial links with Russia open because it's essential for the well-being of Georgia's economy. But there are many, many people in Georgia who still support uh, the line of the former Prime Minister, Mikhail Saakashvili, and President, by the way, who is now in prison in Georgia. And there have been protests. And though the government so far has been able to hold those protests off, it is a continuing story, and you know, it might there might be political change in Georgia at any time. All right, breaking oh, bread. Iran, yeah. Iran, of course, is also there. It's got good relations, or tries to maintain good relations with all of these countries. Its priority, of course, is to prevent the United States gaining a foothold in them. Breaking Bread says the UN will, will be broke down and be resurrected. Then shit hits the fan, biblically. <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. Thank you for that, Breaking Bread. And from Law of Attraction, looking at the news for Cyprus-Russia relations, they get worse from day to day. The attack on the Russian center church... Church relations, Cypriot banks closing the accounts of Russians. What do common, Cypri common Cypriots say about it? Alex? They're upset. I think the majority of yeah. Cypriots, they're upset. They're friendly towards Russia. But they're friendly towards, towards Ukraine and Belarus and, yeah. and um, Orthodox countries in general. But we're a very friendly country for, for Russia. Yeah. Very friendly. Yeah. Yes. And uh, people don't like it, but, you know, yeah. the Cypriots say, what can we do? We're small. We're part of the yeah. EU. And we, do, we don't really have much, uh, much control of, of this. They are under incredible amounts of pressure. I mean, it's very, very difficult. I would say impossible for a small country like Cyprus to resist it. Yeah. And that's, but, but that's the, one the reality. Yeah, the one thing they will never succeed at is to get the Cypriot people to turn on the Russian people or the Greek yeah. people, for that no. matter. I mean, I they've been trying for so many decades to, to create some sort of hate between Greeks mm. or Cypriots and Russians, and it never, ever works. Exactly. Yeah. From Mehdi, off-topic question. 
How did the Duran come to be? How did Alex and Alexander meet? We've answered this many times. We've answered this so many times. We, <laughs> we met, this is pure, pure chance. Well, it wasn't exactly chance, but we, 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 we met um, at what was supposed to be a business meeting, actually, um, in, in, in Gorky Park in Moscow. I forget which year now, it was years ago. Uh, we immediately hit it off. We liked each other. We found that we agreed politically on most things. We then each went our separate ways. And then the decision came, which I was not involved to set up the Duran. And I was invited to join. And here we go. But, you know, we, we both remembered each other from that meeting. I think we both felt at the time, you know, we would be able to work together well. And well, here we are. Tool F8TH says, NRK, the Norwegian state-owned media, is reporting on Danish intelligence, has over 100 pics of a Russian special ship near the pipelines a few days before the sabotage. New, somewhat better attempt from the West to fight Seymour's stories. Best wishes from Norway. Oh. So it was yes, the Russians. It was the Russians after all, of course, that goes without saying. I mean, you know, it was Putin himself. You know, he went there with, you know, flippers and a scuba thing. He was diving with this ship and he laid all the bombs. And Well, that's that's why it's never been detected. I, I, I mean, you know, it gets more desperate every day. We have, you know, every single story that you can come up with. You remember a couple of weeks ago, um, there was a story about a particular ship <laughs> that went to St. Petersburg. Um, that had traveled nearby and you know i tracked down that ship and it was owned by a greek ship and shipping company and i have a feeling i know who the owner of that company is <laughs> i mean i can tell you an absolute fact that that story was nonsense so you have now the next one which is you know you there's another russian ship which the baltic the biggest ports russian ports are located on the baltic st petersburg is there so it's not surprising that there are Russian ships in the Baltic. The idea that they were involved in blowing up their own pipeline makes absolutely no sense. And I don't think anybody anywhere now takes it seriously. Raphael, question for the West. Do you guys think Russia is going to let you guys destroy their golden goose? Bricks will sit idle by, idly by and let you destroy her. Okay. Quite sure I'm Seems a bit tangled. Well, it's a question for the enough. West. Do you think that? Oh, Russia's I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I'm for. Quite, yeah. Well, that, I, I, that you, you, actually, you're making a very good point because I think one of the great problems, the great mistake the West has made about Russia is that they've underestimated Russian resolve. And you know, the Russians are a patient people, as has been commented upon many times in their history. Well, when you know the moment comes they don't bluff <laughs> this is a point that's been made so often by so many people notably by bismarck by the way and it's astonishing that people just don't get it yeah uh, danielle says april 25th is significant in australia as honor the fallen soldiers and those that served anzac day it makes me sad oh, wow. that we have not learned anything from the events of world war one AUKUS is a disaster I completely agree with all of that. And can I just say, I didn't know that. I should, I suppose I should do. Uh, um, but of course, Anzac Day commemorates that disastrous operation 
that the British foisted on the America on the Australians the attempt to seize the Dardanelles in order to set supplies to Russia. And by the way, uh, a harebrained scheme. Winston Churchill was involved in putting it together. It turned out disastrously, and lots of Australian and New Zealand soldiers lost their lives in that battle. Tom, somebody, welcome to Duran Community. Florina says, you should not be surprised about the UK doing things like sending depleted uranium ammo to Ukraine. After all, there is a reason why it was called the perfidious Albion. Yeah. Well, you see, this is it. I thought we'd got past all that. I mean, perfidious Albion was from, you know, the 18th and early 19th centuries. I thought that, you know, in modern Britain, we'd evolved beyond those things. I didn't say that, that I was surprised. I said that I was disgusted and that I am surprised not that the British government would do such a thing, but that in Britain, there isn't a huge outcry against it. From Krivens, Jing says, how much of Poland's enthusiasm for the war is driven by their leading role and interest in the Three Seas Initiative to create a logistics corridor from north to south across Europe? I think that there are some people in Poland who really do have these uh, you know, grandiose ideas and um, you, know, you will find them. I don't think that they are representative of Polish, general Polish opinion. That's, I, you know, I have some contacts in Poland uh, and some sense of what feeling is like there. Yes, they've been very worked up because there are these under, entirely understandable, historically based fears of Russia. But I think if it evolves into something intended to create the kind of thing that you're talking about, I think, again, in Poland, you will find a lot of opposition and probably a critical mass of opposition very fast. Let's see here. Fractured zero one sends a super sticker. I believe that's a that's a drink, maybe a whiskey. <laughs> Thank you for that. Fractured zero one. Breaking bread says good morning, Babylon. Thank you, Breaking Bread. Paul, thank you for that super sticker. And Nick Court. Oh, I lost you, Nick. Where were you, Nick? I just had you. Um Give me a sec, Alexander. It just jumped. Uh, yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, and now I have to find my place. Yeah. Right. Let me let me throw another question at you as I find my place. Uh, from Sparky, it's encouraging that nowadays, even in some countries with internal conflict, the U.S. can't find a side to be their proxy. Yes. Well, you know, the Turkish interior minister a couple of days ago made an extraordinary comment. He said nobody likes the United States. Of course, what he really meant is nobody likes this administration. <laughs> I think I think that is true. I think what is happening is that this administration is so aggressive and so bullying and so ignorant of the basic arts of diplomacy that even people who once upon a time in various countries might have been sympathetic to it, are now becoming hostile. And you see that most importantly in Turkey, where the opposition party is almost as, well, in fact, not almost, it is perhaps arguably even more critical of US policies 
than the Erdogan government is. And that's saying quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, Nick Coriel says, my dad knew Jake Sullivan from high school in Minnesota. Apparently he wasn't well-liked. I wonder why. <laughs> Does it surprise me that he wasn't well-liked? <laughs> Now we understand why why he he does what he does. All right, bullshit man says as an Australian Melbourneian, I can guarantee that Australia and Canada are the WEF policy guinea pigs. No bill, yeah. no bill of rights. State funded media apparatus. Yeah, well, that's what it looks like, and it's very sad. Yeah. Android says if the Ukrainian offensive finally happens and the Russians come out on top, in your opinion, are we going to be very close to the end of the war? Yes, but of course, one has to qualify that by saying that there's always the very, very real possibility of the of, of the West trying to find some kind of escalation. I, I think that this might be the last throw in terms of what the Zelensky regime can do with Western backing. It doesn't mean it is the last throw in terms of what the neocons in Washington might do. And the real danger is that they're going to try and involve Poland in this. Yeah. Uh, Win1010 says, great to be live with you, gentlemen. Thank you, Win. Tool F8TH says, I think this situation now looks more like the buildup to World War I. So many new weapons and tactics along with the birth of the internet and the insane election escalation in propaganda commercial and other techniques to mold minds and the gents and ladies behold just on the horizon tainted by capitalistic greed the ai i i think there's a lot of truth in what you say i'm going to i'm going to add one rather bleak point because the origins of the first world war are something i've studied hugely you know for decades and every couple of years a new interesting book about it comes out by the way i mean the quality of statesmen and diplomats at the time, on the eve of the First World War, <laughs> was miles ahead of what we have today. So, I mean, that the fact that they failed and led us into this disaster uh, makes, we, makes one wonder about what these far less adequate people we're led by today might do. I mean, I can assure you, no one of the great powers in 1914 was led by the equivalent of an Ursula or a Josep Borrell or a Jake Sullivan. I mean, people like that just did not exist at that level at that time. So that is a very, very worrying fact. I, I still think that, you know, in 1914, Europe was far and away the most important part of the world. It isn't like that anymore. Um, there are other places, the global south is mat matters. China, as you said at the start of the program, matters. And I think there's still forces that will ultimately prevail and will pull us back. But we're getting much closer to the kind of scenario you're talking about than I certainly am comfortable with. Yeah, Radio Constantinopolis says, Xi talking to... Zelensky actually means Eurasia talking to one of the two sides of the West's zeitgeist. What do you guys think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, as I said, this is an enormously consequential event. Whatever happens in Ukraine, it, it demonstrates that the world is different from the world we have known. The world we have known up to this point is one where the West 
made all the big moves and all the big decisions. The West might go in, in you know, might try to mediate between, say, India and Pakistan, or between Malaysia and Indonesia, or something of that kind, or in the Middle East. But for a power like China to involve itself in the way that it is now proposing to do in the affairs of Europe tells us that Europe is no longer at the center of things. The West is no longer at the center of things. The world has become greater than us and more interconnected. And other countries, perhaps wiser countries, will now have their say. Elena asks, heard that Finland's economy is in tatters and that Russia have left them out from big projects in the Arctic, question mark. The, sec- the, the, the last is definitely true. That is, uh, the last is absolutely true. Whether, whether, what the condition of Finland's economy is, I don't know. What I will say is this, I haven't been to Finland for a very, very long time, but I used to go to Finland quite often because, um, well, my niece was living there for a while. And um, it was really rather sad. And this is, you know, I was talking about, you know, about five, six years ago when I last was there. Because every time I visited it, I felt that the place was becoming wilder, poorer on its edges. This is sometimes, it's not directly related to statistics, but it didn't look to me like a happy place. Ralph, thank you for that super chat. Radovid says, what about the combined Russian and Chinese fleets? Also, did not the Russian frigates with with hypersonic missiles bring a new dreadnought moment? Well, very possibly. No, I'm not an expert on naval warfare. What I would say is for the moment, it seems to me, if you're talking about an oceanic navy, then... I mean, you, you, you do need aircraft carriers, at least at some, le- at some levels. You need uh, powerful destroyers, and the Arleigh Burke still seem to me to be the ones with the edge. Remember, Chinese destroyers don't yet have hypersonic missiles. The Russian frigates do, but there's very few of them. I think there's only one, the Admiral Gorshkov, which has hypersonic missiles. So for the moment, it seems to me that the military balance, the naval balance, still favors the US. How much longer that will continue for is another matter. From Agu, Tucker was fired because he criticized the MIC. He questioned the war, DOD failing audit, Austin lying under oath and gave a a voice to Jimmy Dore. Well, I think that I am not giving away any secrets when I say that Alex and I have assumed for a fair amount of time that Tucker Carlson would one day be asked to leave Fox. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 we could see it coming eventually. My own personal view is that the single thing that did for him was that he had Robert Kennedy Jr. on his show. That's my own view. Tool F8TH says, remember the early pre-dreadnought ships, the floating castles, Utterly useless, but my favorite ship design. I wonder if there are many of those blunders awaiting to be revealed if we really see a full out conflict. I'm sure you, I'm sure I'm sure you're right, and I'm sure you I'm sure you will 
you might very well see something like that. I mean, I'm not an expert as a sort of naval warfare, but or indeed on naval history. But yes, there will be all kinds of problems. And I know there's a lot of people who, who seem to know what they're talking about, who are sceptical of the effectiveness of the Navy carriers today. They think that in the world of hypersonic missiles, Navy carriers are extremely vulnerable nowadays. But as I said, this isn't something I can talk about. By the way, if you're talking about pre-dreadnought warships, I've actually seen one, which is the um, the Aurora <laughs> in St. Petersburg, and it looks like it looks like a kind of it's extraordinary looking thing, very like a sort of strange toy ship. And I believe that in Greece you can also find ships like the Averov. That's still around, I think, isn't it? Which is a little bit like that, but I haven't seen it so close up as I've seen the Aurora. So, you know, you could, you want to see ships like that, come to Greece. St. Petersburg might be less accessible today. Yeah, Geo Stone says, how do you think a peace deal will be done and on what terms? Thanks. Well, I'm not sure that it will be done. It's the first thing to say. In fact, I would say that the uh, arguments very strongly are against it. Um, I, I, I still think by far the most likely outcome is a Russian victory in which the Russians dictate terms. And that will not be a diplomatic solution. That will be one that is imposed, if you wish. But if there is going to be a diplomatic solution, then it will have to be along the lines of what was almost agreed in March like year, last year, but going an awful lot further. In other words, Ukraine will have to cede a large amount of its territory. It will have to give up the Donbass, definitely, Zaporozhye and Kherson, perhaps Odessa as well, conceivably Kharkov too, depends where the battle lines are. It will probably have to accept a demilitarized zone as well. Um, it, might, it will have to stay out of NATO. That's all the, the internal you know, parts of it. There is going to be a very important external part of it too, because I think the Russians are going to insist and they have the Chinese backing them and the Indians apparently also agree. They're going to insist on a fundamental restructuring of the security architecture in Europe. And the US will not want that. They will resist that to the nail. Crab Voice says, please get Small Town Voice on your show. Alexander, talk to her on Gonzalo's show about Ambassador Liu's interview. She will give you a lot of insight from China. I found her a most impressive person. And I thought that was a, a brilliant explanation. By the way, and I want to put it on record, she corrected my misunderstandings about what the Chinese ambassador to France actually said about the constituent republics uh, and the way they became independent from the Soviet Union. It's clear that his comments were completely misrepresented. And she says, she, she explained that the French interviewer was extremely rude and aggressive and made all kinds of criticisms of China and this entire interview has been seen in China and has provoked outrage there that the Chinese, Chinese opinion is furious at the way in which China was treated over the course of that interview. So I just want to say that, and I would certainly be very interested if she's listening to us, 
in uh, one day her joining us on our programs. Matlas X says, Donbass and Crimea were part of Ukraine, yet had independent referenda to join Russia. The West doesn't respect that. Taiwan has held no referendum from China, yet the West doesn't respect their borders. Yeah, it's true enough. And of course, the same with Kosovo. Kosovo, by the way, never held an independence referendum, despite Barack Obama claiming that they did. Barack Obama claiming that they did when he was president, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Nevitz says, what do you think are the odds of a Trump versus RFK Jr. election in 2024? How far will the establishment go to prevent it? They will, do, they will the pull way. out every, all the way. They, they will pull out every stop. They will, they, 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 will, they will cross every red line to stop it. Now, I think there's a good chance that Donald Trump will become the Republican candidate. It's far from certain. As I said, they will still do whatever they can to do it. I think the odds of, of Robert F. Kennedy, of Robert Kennedy Jr. becoming the Democrat candidate are incredibly high. I don't expect it. Daniel Joseph says, greetings, you all. Love the Duran. Both of you are a staple to my daily news infusions. Can a parallel be drawn between Jim Crow in the USA and the treatment of ethnic Russians in Ukraine? Yes. Except, except that the treatment of ethnic Russians in Ukraine has a level of intensity at the moment which actually surpasses anything that happened under Jim Crow. Tarugu Bikolsaro, thank you for that super sticker. Fullerin Yusuf, the AUKUS deal that will cost Australia $400 billion has been heavily criticized by the former PM Paul Keating and Green Party. What does this mean for the future, and is the new Labour government scared of the USA? Of course they are, and it means that Paul Keating will be gradually frozen out of the political system, because that's the way things work today in the West. If you criticise policies like this, if you go against the orthodoxies of the taboos, they don't argue with you. They just unperson you. And I'm sorry to say, I'm afraid that's what's going to happen to Paul Keating. Jeff Bickford, thank you. Great analysis of Trudeau. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Jeff, Sarah Wariner, thank you for that super chat. Zariel says, any news on Erdogan? Obviously he was ill. Oh, he was definitely ill. I don't think he had a heart attack. Because, you know, I can't believe that he would attend a big ceremony. Yeah, obviously, it was, a, it was he wasn't directly, well, they weren't all together. They, they were speaking on the phone virtually, but uh, the um, Putin was there. Uh, the head of the International Atomic Energy Agency was involved. All of these people participated. I think it would have been impossible to fake Erdogan's attendance. And the fact that he did attend and did provide quite a, you know, lengthy and intelligible comment points to the fact that he probably wasn't a heart attack but he's clearly ill and clearly uh, was clearly ill and i suspect very very tired matlas x alexander oh no i read that <laughs> michael yudik thank you for that super super sticker um alex k can you guys brief us on the caucus region I think we have done. I think we, we've just, done that. Yeah. Summer of 1970 that, yeah. says MIC is equal to FUBAR meets SNAFU and we will pay 
the piece for it as always. Absolutely. Very well put, actually. Snafu, by the way, for those who don't know, most people I'm sure do, dates to the Second World War and it's, you know, a situation normal, all effed up. <laughs> I'm a very polite man, so I don't use, yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm careful when I use words. Uh, Kafan says, annexation of Satmi if US stays in Europe. Yeah, well, uh, you mean Finland. I mean, I'm not quite sure, but anyway, possibly. <laughs> uh, Radio Constantinopolis says, considering the present momentum, will the Kosovo or Palestine issues have to be fought over on the ground at all? Well, I hope not. I, I don't know what's going to happen in Kosovo. Um, it's, I mean, I should make it very clear, by the way, that as far as I'm concerned, Kosovo is Serbian. There's an international, there's a decision of the UN Security Council, which has never been set aside or withdrawn or changed, which says that it is. That was the basis upon the 1990, which the 1999 Yugoslav war was ended. The bombing war against Yugoslavia was ended. The West accepted that Kosovo was Serbian. And I think that the attempt to pull Kosovo away from Serbia against Serbia's wishes is an act of aggression against Serbia. I also believe that the best way to solve this problem of Serbia and Kosovo is to leave the people in Serbia and the people in Kosovo to sort it out between them, which I believe they can and would do. I think Western interference in that conflict is what has brought it to the point which in which it is in now. Just wanted to say all of those things about the Palestine-Israeli issue as an incredibly complicated and very difficult issue to solve. But I wanted to just say one thing about it. Um, Lavrov, when he went to the UN, actually decided to convene a meeting of the Security Council and chair that meeting to discuss Palestine, the Palestinian issue. And he was more critical of Israel over the course of that meeting than I have seen any Russian official be for many, many years now. Now, I don't know quite why that was the case, whether, it, you know, the Russians have suddenly woken up to the fact that there's problems in Palestine. I can't believe that. Or whether there's some shift in policy going on, which I think there probably is. But it's certainly something to keep an eye on. And we'll have to wait and see what happens. The Israelis were so uncomfortable with what pa uh, Lavrov was saying that they actually walked out as he was speaking. Yeah. Ben Linda, welcome to the drag community. Nikolai says, is it fair to say that since all weapons from around the world are flowing through, are flowing through Poland, that Poland is arming itself to the brim with some of those weapons, just a cut for the big man, maybe? Well, possibly, but all the indications are that whatever Poland is receiving is nowhere near enough to make up for what it is giving away. I mean, they have been pouring weapons into Ukraine. Uh, tanks, <laughs> self-propelled guns, you name it, it's been sent to Ukraine. And um, I gather that the Polish military leadership are very unhappy about this. And it's also the case that as rumours of Polish intervention in Ukraine get bigger 
there's an exodus of men from the Polish army, which is like leaving it weaker as well. Yeah. Uh, Vinicius says, thank you for the amazing analysis, analysis that you both do. Uh, Alex imitating a conversation between Olaf and Justin is hilarious. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Shane Bloor says, great meeting you at the No Tenedo, Alexander. Thanks for coming. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Savina says, can you talk about Bellingcat and your thoughts about it? Well, I, I, I would simply say this about Bellingcat. Firstly, they're not what they pretend to be. This is my clear view. They're clearly getting an awful lot of help from the Western intelligence agencies. I say that they've denied that. They denied that to me personally, by the way. But I think it is impossible that they are not assisted by the intelligence agencies in the West in some form. That's the first thing. The second is, well, they simply parrot, as far as I can see, the official line on any issue that Western governments take. So given that that is so, why should I personally take them seriously? If I want to know what Western governments are saying, I go to Western governments and listen to what they're saying. I don't waste my time with Bellingcat. Sparky says, I was skeptical of Lula being afraid the US got to him, but so far, so good. I agree. Ben, ben Linda says, how are things in England and Greece today? Well, they're not good in England at all. I was talking to Alex a few days ago and about the fact that I went to one of my local groceries and I was again stunned at seeing rows upon rows of empty shelves. Now, this is North London. Maybe this is a local phenomenon. I don't know. But we certainly are faced with very high food price inflation, which takes various forms, by the way. So, you know, you can see prices rise or something else happens, which is that, you know, the cans and the jars of food that you want to buy, the bags of food, they're just getting small. So that's, that's another form of inflation. So you're paying the same price, if you like, but for much less. And this is consistent with what the British euphemistically call a um, cost of living crisis. In other words, real incomes in Britain are falling. Now, what I will say is that in Britain, things are not falling off the cliff as they briefly were at the end of the Liz Truss quasi quatang period. There's been a kind of stabilisation, but it's a stabilisation in which things are gently going downwards instead of precipitously going downwards as they were. Now, I can't remember. The other kind of, was it Greece, did he say? Greece, Greece. Well, I, I, I'm not there, but as from what I can understand, things are pretty, pretty tough there too. But then they have been. Greece has never recovered from the 2008 crisis. I mean, we sort of bounced along the bottom, or so it seems to me. Occasionally, you get an uptick, then it goes down again. But I mean, you know, the, the, the good days, if they really were good days, um, are, are gone. And I've never got the sense that things have really sorted themselves out since then. I don't know what Alex thinks. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Alexander says, when and how will de-dollarization start to affect the American government's ability to sell treasury bills to keep it afloat? That's a very good question. 
And I think nobody knows the answer. I mean, I think that this is one of the things to say that in these kind of situations, it, 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 you can never predict, or so it seems to me, the exact point or the exact way it will work out. Now, can I just say, until 1931, long time ago, the pound sterling was fulfilled the role, in effect, of the world's reserve currency. Of course, it wasn't quite that because it was it was directly convertible to gold. But people held pound sterling because they knew, and this was individuals knew, that if they wanted to convert those pounds into gold, paper currency to gold, the banks, the British banks, would give them gold in return for it. Then in 1931, Britain came off the gold standard, and that was a shock, but it didn't immediately cause the sterling area to collapse. And then Britain lost India in the 1940s, and there was the first big devaluation at that time. And then still the sterling area sort of held together, but it was eroding all the time. And then suddenly in the 1960s, it began to collapse. And as I remember very well from my childhood and early youth and later youth, in fact, we had a whole succession of currency and financial crises that basically went on rumbling right up until the early 1980s when the whole thing finally ran its course. So you can see how long it can take, the process can take. But what happens is first it's gradual and then it's sudden. Pauke says, what do you make of the EU-NATO Joint Cooperation Declaration of January 10th? Well, it just proves the point which we've been making on the Dubran for a very long time, which is that the EU and NATO are basically two sides of the same coin. And I think all the world can see that. And it just brings it all out into the open. Remember, both NATO and the EU are headquartered in Brussels. So these are two big Brussels-based bureaucracies. They meet, they know each other, they spend all their time together. Ursula now apparently wants to leave them, leave the leadership of the one so she can take over the leadership of the go other. Go down the street. Yeah, go She's going to leave one office exactly. and go down the street to the other office. Yeah. Exactly. They're having lunch together. They're going to happy hours together. They're hanging out together. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Kafan says, let's play. Paul Hester says, considering a loss by NATO can't be tolerated, and Russia considers a loss as an existential threat. What history shows what humans do in such times, I can't see anything but World War III as inevitable. Thoughts? Well, I don't think it is inevitable, but I think we're very, very dangerously close to it. Um, I, I think that the forces, as I said, that will exercise restraint uh, are, are there, um, and I think that they will ultimately prevail. Um, but, well, this is a much more dangerous situation for the reasons that you said than one is at all happy with. And precisely because it is so dangerous, it should never have been allowed to happen. It tells you how dangerous, what dangerous people the neocons are. Tool F8TH says, Carol Quigley, The Evolution of Civilizations, the part about all civilizations goes through the same stages and are bound to collapse. Russia, I think, collapsed 
lost a few parts and are being rebuilt by Putin. Where are the U.S. heading? Tsadovich well, is my favorite, Alexander. Well, you know, I, I somebody mentioned the roundtable I did with Gonzalo um, on Gonzalo's program yesterday with a German historian whose name just escaped me, but with wonderful man. Tariq. He thought, right? Tariq, that's right, Tariq. Tariq was saying uh, um, that he was a previous historian of the Soviet Union and increasingly the same symptoms of decay that he remembers writing about with the Soviets are starting to appear in the United States too. And maybe not just starting to appear, maybe they're getting worse all the time. So maybe we're not that far from that point. Who knows who's to say? Mehmet says, what would be what would be to NATO if Turkey leaves? Maybe a stupid question, but I see it on the horizon if, hopefully not, Erdogan stays in power, although I think Turkey is better off without NATO. If Turkey leaves NATO, it is an immense event. I mean, it is at least as big an event uh, and as disastrous for NATO as, say, the decision of the East European countries to join NATO was for Russia. It would be a, a huge geopolitical event. It would change the entire balance of power, both in the Middle East, where it's already changing, but also most importantly in the Eastern Mediterranean, where the Russians already now have a presence. If they can start sending their ships through the Dardanelles, for example, well, you know, given the proximity of their bases, given that they have a base now in Syria, um, you can start to see that NATO would be challenged, the West would be challenged in the Mediterranean Sea to an extent that it has not been since the Second World War. Yeah, Zahir, thank you for that super chat. Apple Bista says, thank you, guys. Andreas says, if China brings Ukraine to the negotiating table, do you think that Romania, Poland will get their slice of Ukraine with NATO nukes still on their soil? I don't think that that is what the Chinese intend, but it could very well happen. And the reason it might happen is because of what I said at the start of the program, which is that the Russians will insist as part of any negotiation settling the conflict in Ukraine, that there are fundamental changes to the Europe to the security structure in Europe now if that happens if the European security structure is changed in that way then that could open up in turn the question of what happens to Ukraine on its western borders uh, Etienne de Gaulle says, Privet, Alex, are you still learning Russian? I've been learning Russian and Chinese here in the US. How long before they detain me as an enemy combatant? <laughs> uh, I, I am still learning Russian. Kanyeshna, Etienne. Kanyeshna. Yes. And uh, yes. I don't know about detaining you as an enemy combatant. What do you think, Alexander? <laughs> no, I don't think. I Just don't because think of learning that, a language? No, I don't think I think I don't think things are that bad. At least not yeah. not for the moment. Not, yeah, not at the moment. I was going to say the same no. thing. Let's let's hope we never get there. No. Um, uh, Akhriman, thank you for that super sticker. Uh, Tai Gulter says, "Hi, Alex. I've been writing a novel in the style of Animal Farm. 
but about oh. the more modern political world. Would love for you to read the draft and, and provide feedback or input, maybe a collaboration. Well, I'd love to do it as well. Please do remember that, you know, we have very limited time, Alex and I. I mean, we work very hard on the Duran, and that doesn't give us <clears throat> a huge amount of time for other things. But, you know, maybe, maybe things will moderate over the next few weeks, in which case, or months, in which case, I'd be delighted to certainly read this draft. More than that, of uh, course, I can't promise. Absolutely. Send it over. Send it over by yeah. email. Yeah. Uh, Elena says, Russia have come out with a movie with actors filmed in space. The name is Challenge. Meanwhile, Musk's Tesla launch exploded. I wonder how many Russian washing machines and refrigerators were sacrificed for such a feat. Well, indeed, sir. I haven't seen this film. Lots of talk about it in the Russian media, but I haven't watched it. Damir Zekko Antik, thank you for that super chat. Elza says, Jungle Joseph talked about working closer with Kazakhstan. Bad side, bad sign, anecdotal. Since the sanctions, German companies have opened up offices in KZ, Kazakhstan, and keep working with Russia. Maybe that is a problem. Interesting. Well, well, that is the problem that the U.S. has identified. They're trying to block off Kazakhstan acting as a sort of transit place for Russia. I, I don't think it can be done. <laughs> I don't think that the Kazakhs themselves will want to go there. And I certainly don't think that the Russians would want them to. And I certainly don't think the Chinese would want them to either. So what I suspect is going to happen is that the, the Kazakhs will make all kinds of promises to you know, enforce Western sanctions. And they just go on doing what they're doing now. Yeah. Duck Life says, what can be done about the fact that the U.S. government is the middleman for child trafficking as per whistleblower testifying to Congress? I haven't, I didn't know about, about I've, I've heard That's about pretty, that. Yeah, has, yeah. has that person, that person has testified already? I, I think so. Yes, I was going to say, but, I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean I'd, li I'd like to know an awful lot more about this before I commented about it. Yeah. I've I've seen the video on uh, yeah. on Telegram going around, right. but I haven't like watched watched the right. video. But I think it's I think I know the video that you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Um, Be Beppo Beppo Plin Blue says, "Do you know the status of the regime in Iran? Regime or culture changes anytime soon? The Persians are a highly sophisticated people with a medieval government theocratic mindset." Well. I, I think that's perhaps going a bit far in describing what is a very complex political structure in Iran that I don't fully understand myself. I mean, I think I should say this. I, I would say that my experience of Iranians, those Iranians I've met, I, is completely in accord with what you've just said. They are indeed a very sophisticated people. I think the best thing to do is to leave Iranians to sort out their own affairs and their own arrangements and I suspect that all sorts of things about the political structure in Iran which make us make me uncomfortable are to some extent being prolonged by the pressure that is applied upon this country which I suspect makes certain structures that I might, wouldn't want to see stronger than they might otherwise be. Rune Storetvat says, US empire is losing its 
printing press in the petrodollar? Would this lead to an inevitable World War III? Seems endless wars was the price to pay for the petrodollar printer in the first place. Well, I, I know. I, I think it, is, it could do that. But I think another possibility, and I, you know, I think perhaps a more optimistic possibility, perhaps even a more realistic one, is that eventually what it will do is it will force America. And so when I talk about America, I mean you know, the deep state, the political class, those people, for the first time in many decades to live within America's means, to recognize that there is a limit to American resources. And that would be a very good thing for the world, for the United States, and for the American people. Breaking Bread says, they, every country that fell just, just before the event, in came the Semites at Alexander, question mark. And any cohesion, no, they, every country no, that I, fell just before the event. No, no, I don't accept that. I mean, I mean, Let's talk about let's talk about some countries. I mean, Han China fell. <laughs> you wouldn't have found many of those people there. Uh, um, you know, in, in Han China in two hundred and twenty A.D. So I mean, I know I, I I don't accept that view. Uh, Zios says Christos Anesti. Thank you for the live stream. Efkaristo, uh, Tool F eight. Tool F eight T H says thanks for answering all the questions. This is a very informative live stream. Thank you. Thank you. Zariel says, my deepest thanks for you guys and this community. The Duran is one of the last bastions of truth in a mad world. Zariel, you are always so generous and so kind. Thank you, Zariel. Um, Joe M.O. says, Alex and Alex, thank you so much for your insights. As a 60-year-old father and grandfather, I'm sick to my stomach when I look at the country they are going to have to live in. The absolute morally bankrupt buffoonery that is the U.S. leadership is embarrassing and sickening. I'm also afraid these a-holes have figured out how to keep the population from voting in, voting out these cockroaches. Do you have any good news you can share? I'll even take a happy cat video. Your, your <laughs> anger, your anger is very, very widely felt. And it has the capacity to mobilize millions of people. When people finally decide that they can't accept this any longer, then the whole structure that we're looking at will collapse. I think that it was Voltaire who once said, once the people begin to reason, all is lost. And the fact is that with this particular sham system that we have at the moment, I think more and more people are reasoning in the way that you are. Rob Judeau says, how long do you think until we can believe Canadian politicians or any or any in the Nazo countries. Thank you. Long time, I'm afraid. And I mean, in Canada, well, I don't know, because I don't know the internal politics of Canada very well. I mean, there is a lot of resistance in Canada, which we should not overlook. There are a lot of people every day, we on the Duran get comments from people in Canada who are very, very, very angry and upset and worried about the situation in their country. So we mustn't assume that, you know, this is going to work and succeed and it's going forward unresisted. Alexander says, good job. Thank you, Alexander. Welcome to the community. Claudia says, says super chat. Thank you, Claudia, for that. Nikolaus says, any news regarding the tensions between Greece and Turkey? Is war possible now more than ever due to Erdogan losing the elections at the moment? 
Well, he hasn't lost the elections. And as I said, the very last opinion I saw put him level pegging with the opposition. I don't think at this moment in time, personally, that we're at the imminent risk of a war. But the fact is that, with, especially with Erdogan in charge, sometimes he dials up the tension, sometimes he dials it down. He's very skilled at doing this and keeping everybody on their toes, but it never yet it's never yet tipped over into a genuine conflict. And I hope we don't get one. Claudia says, where is Tucker? He, he was on YouTube, well, uh, YouTube, on, YouTube on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> Twitter the other day. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He broke so Twitter. Yes, yeah. yeah, 60 million, yeah, he's not, 70 million views. Yes, he's not gone away. He'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah. NGS says, will you consider Defense Politics Asia as a guest? Yes, we are working on it. Yes, we, yes. we will very soon. Uh, Radio Constantinopolis says, many greetings to my old friend Patrick Slattery that I know is watching from the States. George from Greece here. We're almost there. Yeah. Many greetings to Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yov, thank you for that super chat. Ojiwal says, three up. Welcome to the community, Ojiwal. ThinkPad20 says, the Turkish opposition presidential candidate supports Sweden joining NATO and was written up mm-hmm. complimentary by the NYT. Is he a globalist? Well, the answer to that is possibly, but be under no illusions about this. One day, Erdogan will also probably vote for Sweden to join NATO. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the Turks, and I think this is probably true of any Turkish leader, are going to play this for as long as they can, get as much out of it as they can, but in the end, they will vote to make Sweden part of NATO. I have no doubt of this at all. FL64 says, good day and thank you, gentlemen. Debo, the Black Panther, says, good day, gentlemen. Will the Russian Federation be watchful of South Korea potential to sell weapons or ammunition to Ukraine via American deals? Oh, yes, absolutely. And they made some very, very strong statements and given some very strong warnings to the South Koreans. And of course, the Russians have great leverage because uh, not only are there an important country in terms of trade terms with South Korea, which they are, by the way, but more important, far more important, they're in a position to provide all kinds of things to North Korea, which the South Koreans wouldn't want them to do. And I don't just mean weapons. I mean oil, I mean technology, I mean food, I mean all kinds of things. So the, the Russians can change the balance in in the Korean peninsula. Ali Sikander says, U.S. couldn't fight Russia directly in Ukraine, so how could the U.S. fight China in the South China Sea? Isn't Ukraine conflict called the U.S.'s bluff on Taiwan? The Chinese, there are Chinese commentaries that are making exactly the point that you have made. Uh, I can't remember his full name. I think it's Hu Xin, but I might be getting the second part of his name wrong. The former editor of Global Times, who's a very, very prominent commentator, has made exactly that point. He says if, you, if the West can't out-manufacture Russia in terms of weapons, what chance do they have against us? Well, we, we, we've talked about this because yeah. it's going to be playing to the U.S.'s strengths, or so they think, by being a, more of a naval sea type yeah. of uh, type of battle yeah. where the U.S. is just completely outmatched on on a land war, or, or the type yes. of war that Russia's fighting, yes. this type yes. of artillery yes. war of attrition. War. Yeah, the yes. U.S. NATO can't can't yes. uh, match up, but they probably feel that 
that a naval in, type of uh, conflict would would benefit them. And, and that's yes. that's my guess as to what they're thinking. No, I think they do, and I think that is why they want it sooner. Why, why we get all these people saying you're 2025, 2027, because of course we are in the throes of a Chinese naval build build up, and that window may close. Yeah. Savina says, in Europe, Bellingcat is like the independent investigative journalism, or are they just paid and fed from the CIA? Well, I think they're certainly fed by the CIA. Who pays them? I'm not going to talk about. But I mean, I pay no attention to them. As I said, if I want to know what the Western governments want me to think, then I go to what the Western governments say. I don't need a messenger like Bellingcat to give me that information for me. Fast slap Terence, thank you for that super sticker. Summer of 1970 says, tell Elon that the intergalactic laxative will get him from here to Mars. <laughs> Summer of 1970, Alex Mark, thank you for that super sticker. Sparky says, sour grapes. I think if Bolsonaro won, he may have delayed going all in with the fair world order, missing opportunities while waiting to key off of Trump. Well, who knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, Interesting. Fact, yeah, possibly, yeah. Yeah. Nicholas Byrne says, Alexander, can you give an overview, overview root cause of World War I? <laughs> the, the literature on this is absolutely enormous. I mean, it is absolutely huge. I'm going to say this. What happened was that after 1870, when Germany unified, that upset the European balance. And um, the Germans who were becoming a very, very powerful country in Central Europe, um, overestimated their own power and started to take unacceptable risks and became very provocative in their dealings with other countries, and in particular with Russia. And at the same time, there were two other things that contributed to this. Firstly, a French desire for revenge against Germany and reacquisition of the regions of Alsace-Lorraine, which is not to be underestimated. That was the major source of tension in international affairs in the lead up to the First World War, the tension between France and Germany, but also German alarm about the growth of Russian power. Russia was economically starting to take off its military was becoming more powerful, and the Germans, who believed themselves to be stronger than they actually were, started to worry that if they waited too long and didn't exploit their opportunities, then their options would be closed off because Russia would eventually prevail over them. Stephen Walter says, I'm a bit late, but welcome to the Dragon community, Stephen. Mehdi says... What happens if China invites the Russian Federation Pacific Fleet to the Taiwan Strait to dock and do maneuvers for a while? Well, who knows? It might even happen. Let's wait and see. Yeah. Hunger the Die Merchant says, one of two. Unpopular opinion. BRICS is a paper tiger. It was a Goldman Sachs label for emerging markets. The only glue is anti-colonialism. South Africa is more corrupt than Ukraine, plus rolling blackouts. And part two is... Brazil is a mess, and China and India have competing interests. The EU, with all its geographic, political, and cultural similarities, is a total disaster. What makes BRICS a more viable project? Well, I think BRICS was very much a, a paper thing when it was first created. What has happened 
is that it has gradually got stronger and better organized because at the core of the BRICS, and this is a, I've, I've, I've written extensively about this, at the core of the BRICS, there is the key relationship, which, which is the one between China and Russia. The purpose, the original purpose of the BRICS was to conceal from the world the existence of the Chinese-Russian alliance at its core. So the Chinese and the Russians, they didn't want to say that they were allies. So they wove all this web of organizations, the BRICS, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the Eurasian Union, all of those, to conceal the fact that at the core of it all, there was this relationship between China and Russia. That is very strong, and it is becoming stronger. Now, what has happened over the last few years, especially since Biden came in, is that more and more countries around the world, including critically India, despite its issues with, with China, are starting to realize that the American policies are becoming unendurable. And they're starting to look at the only alternative, which is this Russian-Chinese axis. And that's giving reality to the BRICS. David Poderosa says, would the Duran accept an invitation to go on Joe Rogan's show? We'll probably have the biggest audience so far. A three-hour show would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, Possibly. We would accept it. We would accept <laughs> we it. We would be invited, yeah. But I, I don't see that coming any anytime yeah. soon. Uh, NGS says, are we witnessing the beginning of a shift in MSM Ukraine narrative? Have you considered a program with Defense Politics Asia, neutral, realist, fact-based? Yes, we will. Well, well we, we, we are. And uh, yes. the answer to both is yes, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Bill Nichols says, U.S. expects Brazil President Lula to follow their orders because the deep state used some Dominion machine tricks to, to help get him elected. Well, they've also got under, undoubtedly, I think, compromising material on him. I, I'm going to say that straightforwardly. But for the moment, he's not following their orders. I think he feels that he's strong enough to defy them and do what he thinks um, is more in Brazil's interests than theirs. Mm -hmm. uh, Nitswitch says, how can someone bond with the enemy like Tucker with Kennedy? What kind of world would we have then? A world of peace can't have that clown world. <laughs> true enough. Very true. Red Z says regarding World War One, didn't we enter the war because Britain said the Kaiser's men were bayonetting Belgium babies in their bassinets? Oh, absolutely. There's an awful lot of absolutely false and untrue propaganda as well. And I don't want to say, you know, that the British didn't play a big role because they played an enormous role in the events that led up to the First World War. I still believe personally that the most important and the most mistaken decisions were made in Berlin, but the British certainly were there. Pascal, thank you for that super chat. Judy, thank you for that super sticker. Tom, somebody says, any more information on an article from a week ago, NAFTA gas held talks with US oil companies about energy projects in Ukraine from Reuters? I haven't seen anything more, but I mean, that tells you the whole story. I mean, we talked about it on one of our videos. What, what's actually happening is that there's a fire cell going on in Ukraine. And that is a clear sign, as clear a sign as any that you will find that people in Ukraine are packing their bags and preparing to go. Yeah. 
Uh, Elizabeth says, many Americans are now realizing how corrupt and illegitimate their elections have been, especially the current administration. Is the same thing happening in Britain? Do the British doubt the legitimacy of their elections? No, not yet. Um, bear in mind that in uh, in Britain, elections, um, the only the, the way up to now has been hand counting of ballots, which are cast overwhelmingly still by people attending the, ba- you know, the polling stations. Now, there are moves to introduce some American practices like mail-in voting on a bigger scale. And if that does happen, well, quite possibly, we will start to see people being a bit more sceptical about the elections at the moment. But for the moment, most people in Britain still believe, rightly or wrongly, that the elections here um, are reliable. Pasha Moyer says, Alexander, to be polite, you could say, situation normal, all fouled up. I could say that. Thank you for that. Etienne says, I was only half joking with the enemy combatant comment. I love you guys and all you do. Through you, I also found Garland Nixon, Brian Berletic, and many others. Thank, Thank you. you, Etienne. Thank you Spasiba. very much. Spasiba, yes. uh, Dean Nas says, the true horror and suffering that is happening in Ukraine is truly sickening. It's horrible to watch and somewhat hard to ignore. It pulls you in to how the world has been for thousands of years. Yes, it does. But I have to say, um, you know, this is my, this is the first war that I've ever covered in anything like this kind of detail, and it is very, very distressing to see how things are working out, playing out there. Yep. Uh, Eric, thank you for that super sticker. Radio Constantinopolis says, "I think we are long overdue for a Russian patriarch in Fanari, Constantinople." Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. I can't. I can even believe that it might happen. For me personally, as a Greek, um, it would be a sad event. I mean, it shouldn't matter, I suppose, if he's a good Orthodox man. But you know, for me, the patriarch in Constantinople is somebody who's very much a part of the Greek world. So I'll be sad if it happens, but I can believe it will happen. And if it does happen, I'll accept. Let's see, Hong Kong, China. Thank you for that super sticker. Kyle Wool, thank you for that super sticker. Tyler Dernan, thank you for that super chat. Kafan says, Nord Kaloten. Nord Kaloten. Okay. Thank you, Kafan, for that. Elena says, USA have said that their technology in Zaporozhye is forbidden to Russia. Has Russia answered? Oh, I don't think they'll pay much attention to that. Mm. The US is always telling everybody that their technology is now forbidden. Mm. John Goodship says, a donation to express appreciation for your broadcasts. A great donation. Thank, thank you, thank very, you much. very much, John, for that. Very, very much appreciated. And Jack Ridley, thank you for an awesome super sticker. Jackie Ridley. Thank you, Jackie, for that. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Sparky says, Brussels-based bureaucracies, allit- alliterative. Mm, yeah, well, alliterative well indeed. Well said. <laughs> well said, Sparky. Valerian Winterdrake says, it feels like we are living in Rockefeller West that is trying to perpetuate the late 20th century and that there is no plan at all for the 21st century. What economy will we see long term? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, I still believe, I believe I'm absolutely certain that any future economy must still be manufacturing and commodity-based. Uh, and I mean, it has to be based on, to some, to a great extent, private enterprise, 
all these fourth industrial revolution ideas to me are just fanciful nonsense. And I think that one of the reasons why we are in the trouble that we are is that these dangerous and foolish ideas have gained far too much traction over policymakers in the West over the last 20 or 30 years or so. Justin Slay4 says, Alex Jones broke, broke the border trafficking story first. Okay, right, gosh. Well done, well done, Alex Jones. Uh, John Flanders says, suggestion for a guest, Dmitry Orlov, Russian author of The Five Stages of Collapse. Very interesting man, and yes, maybe. Yes, uh, Ryan says, thoughts on the upcoming Greek parliamentary elections, Turkish elections. It seems the only options in Greece are neocons, socialists, and communists. Yeah, well, I mean, Tweedledum, Tweedledum. You get exactly <laughs> yeah, the same thing. I, I would say, Ryan, uh, the only choice in Greece are globalist neocons or globalist neoliberals. And I don't really know the difference anymore between no, I don't, I don't. the two, to be quite honest. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Warriner says the Russians are at it. Oh, I jumped again. Sarah, I lost you. I was just reading Sarah's question and it jumped. Ah, oh, there we go. The Russians are at it again, reigning all across southern Ukraine today. Yes, I know. I saw that. There's Terrible weather major, in Ukraine. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Putin's weather machine. Absolutely. J.H. Scott 6 says, thank you both as always. Thank you for mm. that. ThinkPad20 says, will there ever be a proper investigation of 9-11? No. <laughs> Lakehouse says... It's all theater. Countries are meaningless to the elites. They're all in on it together. The end game is what, as well exists only to help them achieve immortality. The only thing they can't buy yet through clinical drug yeah. trials. Yeah, I know. Well, there's a lot of what you say. I mean, the point, however, is that all political systems ultimately are nation-based. It's always the way you, you cannot create a system that is not. So uh, them trying to do so is going to, in the end, engulf them. Yeah. Uh, Veperchak, thank you for that super chat. AskMe06 says, here in Canada, there are two, two parallel worlds. One is where people live and another one exists in the media. Those two don't intersect. Exactly. And if you meet people from the former Soviet Union, they will tell you that that was their experience as well. Yeah. Just saying. Ginger, Ginger Porter, thank you for that super chat. Mark Hughes, thank you for that super chat. Sparky says, I heard a rumor. Murdoch's, Murdoch's wife liked watching Tucker, and that's why he lasted so long. Their divorce mm -hmm. opened the opportunity to take him off the air. That's interesting. Ooh, that is very interesting. Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps Zordon yeah. says, let's not forget how the Chinese treated Ursula. <laughs> no. <laughs> Or how Erdogan treated Ursula as well. Yeah. Let's not forget that incident either. Mm -hmm. Bebo PLED Blue says, thanks for all the info and insights. What are the chances that Ukraine as a sovereign state ceases to exist at the end of all of this? They're very, they're very high. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I suspect it's going to just depend ultimately on what decisions are made in Moscow. Uh, Christian Rom says, Russia going to run out of oil in 11 years. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know that? You know something? The first time I heard that Russia was going to run out of oil was in the late 1970s. <laughs> I, 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 I fool you not. 
I remember people saying that in the 1970s. It was supposed to become an oil importer in 1984. And there were all kinds of predictions about what would be the result of that. Yep. Al Gore did a documentary in early 2000 that the world was going to be finito. Mm. Mm. Inconvenient truth. And AOC said a few years ago that we had 12 years. Yes. That was it. So that's right. Yeah. You know. Marcelo says, starting a project with a friend of mine, you guys inspired us. I'll send the channel for critiques and comments when set. Will mean a lot if Haristo. Congratulations, Marcelo. Thank you. Congratulations. Look forward to, to watching. Kilo, good thoughts, deeds, words. Welcome to, to, to the Duran community. Seku Drame, thank you for that super sticker. Sparky says, Putin's leadership is what makes BRICS viable now. I, I think that there is more to it than just Putin's leadership. As I said, there's a community of interest between the Chinese and the Russians. And that is that is the underlying core of the BRICS. Yes. Uh, Sparky says, build with BRICS for a better world. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Sparky. Jay Etzcott 6 says, what are your views on Yannis Varoufakis? Well, you know, I used to, apparently, we were at school together. I don't remember him. We were very little. But I think he was a terrible finance minister. I think he botched things totally with the Europeans. I don't think he understood at all the kind of people he was up against. And I think Tsipras shafted him. <laughs> I think all of those things. I don't think he was a good politician. I don't think he was a good finance minister. I have heard and believe that he is actually a good academic economist and he does give political commentaries about things, which can be very interesting too. But, you know, in terms of what he did at the time, well, it didn't work out. And that's putting it mildly. Level 42, a coffee first for Alexander and Alex for this good, valuable work. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Level 42. Uh, Mark Hewitt says, why did Fox News settle with Dominion for $750 million when Dominion is such a small company? Good question. You must ask Murdoch and his lawyers, because I'm not sure. Evans Amondi, thank you for that super sticker. Paul Hester says, thank you, gentlemen. You are a rare light in this dark world. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Greg P says, wonderful work, work, gentlemen. If you were to guess where Russia goes after Putin... Do you see them going more hard line, the same, or capitulating more to the West? More hard line. I think the sentiment in Russia at the moment is certainly pointing in that direction. Hmm. Uh, Beppo PLN Blue says, is the U.S. government malevolent or is it simply ignorant and incompetent? The rapid decline in my country is absolutely incredible. Why do you think those two are incompatible with each other? You can be both malevolent and incompetent at the same time. And certainly I think that is true of this administration at many levels. And it explains why things are so bad. Uh, Kilo, good thoughts, deeds, words. Thank you for that super chat. OMG, Mr. T says, when are you guys going to start a Duran subscription channel on Twitter? I would totally prefer to, to subscribe to you there. Well, you can subscribe to us on Locals. We have a subscription channel on Locals, which we're, you can We're, we're still hesitant on, on Twitter. Well, we yeah. certainly are, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we're still a bit hesitant on it. But who knows, maybe that'll change. 
Tom, somebody says, will Alensky's ring the will Alensky ring the opening bell in the New York Stock Exchange for the first sale of Ukrainian state assets if a settlement happens? Oh, I'm sure he will. He'd be paid handsomely for it in billions, I'm sure. Yeah. Kilo, good thoughts, deeds, words. Thank you for that super sticker. And Lada Moreau says, at Greg P, Russia will never capitulate to the West. I'm telling you this. Absolutely. Yes, 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 I agree. Alexander, I think we can call this a wrap and we can Indeed. get back to work. I was going to say, enjoy the weekend. <laughs> get back to, get, get back Indeed. To Indeed. Work. We get back to work. Absolutely. Lots to do. But this has been a great live stream. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on, on, on this Friday. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you to everyone that watched us on Rockfin, on Odyssey, on Rumble, on YouTube, and on thedoran.locals.com. Thank you, everybody. Thank you to our moderators, Zarael and Reckless Abandon and William Justice and Spartan Warrior Queen and Valley S. Thank you so much. I hope I got everybody that was moderating. And Liama Lisovska says, have you seen Miss Chatterjee versus Norway? Looks good. No, <laughs> I haven't, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't. And David Hart said, question, is the American government malevolent or simply ignorant and unable to understand the world? The answer is yes. That's what yes. David Hart says. And Tabernak says, always wondered why Atlas had to hold up the world by himself. What was the what was the moral of the story to never defy the gods? Question mark. You know, I think I think he was punished. I think I, I don't remember the whole. This is one myth I don't I remember very well. But he, I think he was being punished. Actually, he was a titan. Remember, he wasn't one of the gods. So he was sort of one of the old gods who was replaced by the new gods. And I think it was a punishment. Yeah, I think you're right, Alexander. Hmm. Okay. That is everything. That's everything. Take care, everybody. Have a Take great care. Friday and have a good uh, have a good weekend. And yeah, we'll see you soon. soon.